0: for Salesforce. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. Today I'm very excited to bring you what I believe to be the very first Scotsman onto the show. David, welcome.
1: Hey Tom, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for the invite.
0: So interestingly, David was actually the first non-director employee at a company I assume people would have heard of, free agent, the accounting software. So he was actually there for a decade and I assume set up and ran the full sales ops function. More recently is currently at CloudReach leading sales ops there. So David, let's jump right in and go back to the start of the free agent days because I know you didn't join in sales ops. So how did, A, what did you join as and how did you graduate? um, How and why did you graduate in sales ops?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, a journey and a half is what the the time at free agent was and, and one which really did Teach me everything that's allowed me to go forward and um, use that uh, experience and expertise, um, both whilst I was at FreeAgent but, but elsewhere and now with, with CloudReach. The, the starting point of that journey? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I was uh, stomping pavements and picking up phones and doing um, all kinds of sales before I well, was contract sales, really, before I was able to get the contract with FreeAgent as a warm body in a suit to pick up a phone and sell the software. You know, it was three technical guys Um, who founded the company, um, WhipSmart. There's just no two ways about it. And they just needed someone to be able to come in and help them do everything that was around the non-technical side um, of selling. They they picked me up through a a contract um, agency. I was with them for about... uh, with with agent on contract for about 18 months before going um, full-time. They were bootstrapping at that point. And um, it was... I mean, it was a whirlwind, right? You you did me a little bit of credit there, saying um, setting up the the sales ops function at Free Agent. You know, very much a team effort, obviously. And as the company grew, and they brought in um, senior experience people with sales directorship experience and, and marketing um, directorship experience, as well as the company grew out and, and fleshed up the the departments that we had. A lot of the growth in the tooling that we were using was organic, um, but very much decided on the best fit at the time, and we learned a huge amount about um, you know integrating processes and tooling, so that we actually had you know a best fit product. I mean, I think some of the best experience for me from the time at Free Agent is the scars that I wear on some of the things that we learned not to do, you know, and. Um, it really does give you the benefit of uh, 2020, really, to, to see the way things were purely um, from situations with sales teams looking at um, you know, motivations from enumeration or the processes we had in place when we were going after particular target markets without maybe identifying verticals fast enough. You know, all of these things that um, now as uh, sales ops as a, as a thing is much more defined. At that time it was less so. Um, you know, we were using EchoSign right off the bat before it became uh, Adobe eSign or Adobe Sign. Um, and they themselves were only started in 2006, you know, free agent 2007. I, I joined them um, the very start of 2008, roughly. Um, and so we were really getting to grips with not just selling SaaS, but in many respects, um, <laughs> selling software itself online, like selling security felt like I was the, the main thing that was being done to begin with, because you're convincing people about the um, the benefit of you know, being online and doing um, accountancy online. Um, whereas now you, you think about... Um, any tooling that you use, your go-to is that, well, of course you would choose an online tool, right? I mean, why would you ever think to go for a wet ink signature over you know the, the seconds it takes to get something to and from across the world and returned back to you? Um, so the, the, the tooling we had, as I say, really organic um, and a team effort to get it in. Uh, Salesforce, when we brought it in, was um, revelationary in, in many of the, the ways that we were going about things. Um, more Recently, when you think about the transition from classic to lightning, you know, that, that's a big change, it's a big shift, even though to begin with it feels like it's just the UI UX change actually. It's the underlying ability to automate on top of it that just completely changes the way that you can build and the way that you can automate. Um but sorry. I- Going a wee bit uh, out of chronological order. Um, yeah, my time at creation was very much sales based. And um,
0: yeah, I, I just actually have one question on that. Mm. this is super interesting. You joined as the first non-tech person, so yeah. your your decade with the business could have gone in many different directions. Mm. Why did you? Th- why do you think it went into the sales ops lane?
1: Um, I always used to talk about flexibility and resilience. And I still do. I still do. You know, pragmatism is hugely important. And in many respects, um, being able to shake hands with whatever CEO is equally as important as, as I did, walking around the office, taking lunch orders for people so that they could spend time doing work and not wasting time going out, you know, not, not coding stuff. So we. Um, it got to the stage where you know I'd come back like one of the rescue dogs with lunch for everyone from you know, Legal Jacks at the place in, in Edinburgh, which is amazing. Um, and we're like, look, this is just nuts. So we started Friday lunches instead. We just ordered in, um, and many companies, you know, they they bring in these um, accidental cultures where you know the family that eats together stays together. You know, literally, there was a blog post that was written about that for free agent. That whole culture grew up really um, uh, because it was something that we did we didn't we didn't introduce it it, you know there weren't like beanbags thrown around the place and you wouldn't you know say oh I'm going to work here because I get to wear casual clothes or you know I get to not have to wear shoes or whatever you know we didn't design that Um, it was just the way that the team worked together and so my take on that company was one i was delighted to be working there because it was super cool um to be able to start something or to start with something that was really really early on um, i think uh, i remember ed saying to me and i'm paraphrasing of, of course um you know around about the point when we didn't know every customer by name was when we thought we were going to have to you know make something of this and you know or, or you know sell the idea and pitch on so they made something of it and you know, I and the many hundreds of other people who have gone through the doors of free agent, many of whom are still there, the, the, the turnover at that company is very, very low um, because they're just such a fabulous company. Um, I'm doing a good uh, pitch for the aren't I?
0: <laughs> you are, and which is why we need to switch up the track and talk about yeah, yeah, cloud reach. So today, yeah. roughly how many reps are we looking at and how many people wow. in your team?
1: Big shift, big, big shift. So free agent was um, six account managers, six BDMs, maybe six SDRs, right? And the operations was everything. I mean, it included enablement as much as it was sales ops. I mean, it was the whole kit and caboodle, you could really call it commercial operations because it had that umbrella of everything. Um, You know, training salespeople, taking them through um, the systems that we had, making sure the systems were best fit, sort of purpose and the processes that we had, documenting them and then everything, really everything. But it was UK focused and um, it was deliberately so because it was a UK kind tool. Moving into Cloudreach, being able to take that whole experience meant I was moving not just from uh, industry to industry, with the see through to um, uh, lift and shift bare metal and, uh, uh, you know, migrating companies to cloud and then allowing those companies to benefit from, you know, the, the speed to data, which is huge beneficial gains, um, you know, uh, pitch to cloud bridge. Um But for me, it was a move from around about, you know, 18 people and then the, the overlays and the, the, the small number of people in management, um, you know, the sales managers there, to With CloudReach supporting a team, you're, I guess your quota-carrying team because there's loads of different types of roles within it from your technical sellers to your actual um, sales reps, the, the people who are working with the, um, the CSPs, uh, AWS and Microsoft and so on, um, and all of the leaders within that cohort is about 70 people. And they're split across um, five or six regions globally it's really, really interesting to support these sales leaders. So I, myself, jumped up from supporting a team of one, uh, effectively, to supporting a team of three because I'm a, I'm a mayor the European sales ops. I've got a counterpart in, in the States um, who supports the team there. But we are cross-collaborative. We chase the sun. So everything that I do, they need to be able to do and vice versa. So we do support our teams directly. I support the European team. But when it comes to something like process rollout or indeed commission the entire team, and that's you know that's around about seventy people. Massive shift, and you know the sales process that they follow, the methodology is very different. But it means I get to turn my hand from um, uh, a particular methodology, which was uh, very customer centric, um, really cool methodology uh, from. Uh, to classic medic sales methodology so really transitioning but being able to apply the the skill sets that are needed to be able to help reps to go through those things not just in process execution by you know verbally helping with the enablement i mean we have a dedicated enablement uh lady virginia who <laughs> is just phenomenal um but also with the systems to be able to to help support that as well. And, you know, with our Salesforce admins being able to uh, put through the project management um, pieces of work with the the project managers and being able to provide that insight to ensure that these um, processes, they they work, that they are usable, that they're tenable and that they help most importantly the sales reps to do their job which you know benefits the sales reps benefits the company um just makes everyone work as 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 an odd machine
0: awesome i think briefly the the sales tech stack you guys are running at the moment
1: Mm, mm, yeah um super robust is the first thing and that is not down to any one person it really is down to the team and I mean, when I walked in to to CloudReach, there were a couple of things which I said immediately. Ah, right, we should replace X with Y, um, and we are doing that. We're in the process of doing that in many areas, and it wasn't just me that said this. You know, these were these were mirrored um, thoughts across the board uh, from the people who, who are in our very small sales ops team. I mean, it's very much—it's not wag the dog, right? But your sales ops function is very, very much the small end of the. Uh, the spectrum, and so you, you're bringing expertise into um, to that particular tech stack, but to the specifics of the tech stack. Um, you know, we're we're kicking off the, um, the the prospect and the intelligence stuff with um, Discover Orgs Zoom Info. Um, which yeah I mean it's not particularly surprising what we're using you know you'll have heard this across the board but um, from there you've got I mean supporting that as well is what the reps are doing day to day with LinkedIn sales navigator and so on if they're, if they're using that particular tool which you know they, they have the ability to do so um, the uh, the engagement and the enablement side of things are through Pardo and salesloft Um uh, part is great i mean it 's very much a uh, you know cadence day one day, two, day five day six how you 're interacting with people and so on um, The content that the company's writing is is fantastic coming from the experts who are you know delivering that kind of um, insight that 's uh, for for the audience they're interested in, in approaching very much the evergreen content as well <clears throat> that was a huge free agent strategy and it 's nice to see that companies industry to industry are, are replicating that. Um, CRM process Salesforce, uh, no great surprises there. Um, analytics, we are getting more and more involved in Einstein, um, used and loved Einstein, uh, free agent also we used Looker previously. So I'm comfortable with that. Not professing to be a SQL expert <laughs> by any measure, but, um, you know, I can, I can turn my hand if need be. Um, Interestingly as well, we, we don't use it, but I do love it as a as a sort of a, a tool I particularly love. Um is just gecko boards. You know, when we're talking one of the huge things that uh, I like to talk about and I think many other people do as well, is common language and, and being able to facilitate that, you know, gecko boards allow you to do that. There's only so much that you can do with a Salesforce dashboard, um, literally because of licensing, right? You know, you can create the best information, the best insight, but if you don't have the ability to give that information to people when it's um, you know, it's rationalized information. You don't, you know, pull out the underwear and show everything to everyone. But, um, you know, gecko boards allow you to really distribute that information um, and that common language is supported. Uh, and then, of course, you know, um, as as we are using Einstein, um, there's another really important thing, um, which is can you, uh, talk about pragmatism, can you do something quick and dirty, right? Can you, can you use Apex, Excel Connector, and haul some reports out of Salesforce to be able to pivot because, God, I'd love a pivot. You know, um, there's just something really nice being able to get immediate access to information to prototype, to see what you want to build, and then to say, hey, does, does something like this work? You know, Could we formalize this? Could we build this? Um, uh, and that leads to the tail end of things with uh, the Compensation Commission. I mean, we, you know, one of the, the first recommendations for me was to, to look at exactly. Um, I think it was literally the first thing I said, right, you need to look at formalizing the way that this is done because, um, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal the way that we do um, uh, commission at CloudReach. It's, it's uh, again, pretty um, pretty hand-cranked and so automating with the system. And I say hand-cranked as in, you know, I have my fingerprints all over it um, because I'm running the calculations with the, the sales ops team. Um, and so it's peer reviewed and really uh, um, robust in that reset, in that sense. But um, moving it to a more automated place where people have the ability to see if if this is happening, then that's the impact on my on my potential payout. Mm. You know, it's something that you just can't replicate if you're giving someone um, you know uh, an export range sheet of here's your activity. This is you know a multiplied by b equals c. That's your payout. Being able to say to people. Here are the insights, and here is the the, the way that your um compensation could look as a, as a motivational tool It's just you know that's a great place to be in um and obviously also uh bye bye shadow reporting you know <laughs> all those little insidious time thieves um just go away but yeah that's our uh, that's our tech stack I mean there are a bunch of other tools that we use as well um you know I have a real soft spot for Trello uh, obviously uh, docu-sign um previously echo but much of a much was there um spotify i would count that in my tech stack quite heavily
0: <laughs> okay okay before we get into all, all of them um i first of all i love the concept of shadow forecasting and i've never heard that before and, and i'm gonna take that away and maybe ask other individuals not, 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 not a good thing not a good thing not a
1: good thing not a
0: good thing um So digging into the last three months and the state of the virus, I'd like to know how at CloudReach you guys have kind of changed the way you're working, but then also changed the way you've been forecasting.
1: Okay. Um, So the first part of that, uh, how we've changed uh, the way that we're working the company obviously has had to respond to the virus much like every other company insofar as the uh, remote working is um, remote first. And that, uh, it's not unusual for the company in itself, a company which um, promotes and advocates um, <laughs> being online. Uh, it's not a difficult position for us to also dog uh, to it in that sense. And um, for me personally, in that respect as well, um, much as for the rest of the sales operations team, a small unit as we are, we are global, and I support a team that is international. Again, I you know I'm just outside of Edinburgh, and the people who I work with on a daily basis they're in Munich, Berlin, um, you know, they're in Atlanta, they're in uh, you know over in the Netherlands, or down in London. It's rare that I um, talk to people on anything other than this space, and. Um, that's fine. You know, I mean, it brings with it its own challenges and one of those is making sure that people take care of themselves because it's so easy to just keep doing and keep going and keep going. Um, And when you're doing things which are really um, exciting and you're quite passionate about them as well, you can often find yourself just caught up in the trap of, of you know chasing the sun yourself which obviously you shouldn't do you get a team to to be able to do that um cautionary tale there if if nothing else but you know the company is really great at supporting people to be able to successfully remote work and that means looking after yourself as much as your colleagues um so yeah we 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 have adopted the, the remote working policy without any difficulty um whatsoever and um again you'd be I think it'd be incredibly um, sad if we specifically weren't able to, again, given what we we do as a company. Um, How has reporting changed? Reporting shouldn't really change. I mean, the metrics that we are running, that we are looking at KPIs, that we're monitoring, they should be consistent you know the, the the problem is inconsistency in metrics and inconsistency in that common language and people not knowing what is expected of them is you know that's a recipe for disaster um it's on us to make sure that we've got the KPIs correct and that um comes down to things like uh you know the the quota achievement the win rate the deal size all those things you can wrap them up in the pretty bow of uh, sales velocity where you've got a, a number but actually even just looking at the performance metrics and the um you know the efficiency metrics for the the reps you know these things should be consistent you know um one, one of the Tangential parts that you were asking about how um, how we're we changing reporting, but also with forecasting, those things are all um, linked in together. We have um, the reps deliver their forecast of pledge every week, and um, the way for them to be able to do that uh, accurately is for them to have confidence in what it is that's being asked. Of them. And whilst we haven't made um, striking changes in the nature of what we're doing when we're coming to report um, for for the sales team and from the sales operations team, and the information that um, the sales ops team gives to the company as a whole um, and works with other teams to be able to provide that upward and outward insight, um, and then the very specific sales insight to the sales team as well, um, what we have is. a constant refinement of the way that we are supporting the sales reps. You know, it has to be customer centric. Our customers are the team. You know, we're one uh, layer further away from from actual customers. So my customers, the sales reps, and, and my colleagues. Um, and it's really important to think about them in that way to remain customer centric, um, in my opinion. But the the things that we have to do if we're for example, we were trying to be creative, not creative, we're trying to be um, clever with the way that we were helping reps give their pledge, you know, the closest to the pin number that they're going to, to give for the, for the quarter. Um, we did that by supporting them with some maths that meant they only had to put in an adjustment and then the value would come up. But that, you know, it tricked people up more than it helped them. So we ripped that out to say, look, it's just the number that you are going to land on really recent um you know another way of, of looking at the way that we support people to ensure that they have the best ability to give the best data, the best insight. Um are those supporting frameworks like See, you know, huge effort in the entire company. And this is global. The entire sales team went and did um that uh you know, there's a whole training scheme to, to bring people up to a, you know a level setting. And it means again, uh, you know, I've said that a couple of times now, uh, but that common language is there. And that is just so important. It can't be understated the importance of it. Um, but for us to support it, again, one of the things that we did was we, when we were looking at a pipeline in our forecast, we had four stages. Um, so you know, you don't need four stages, you need three. You know, you've got to commit upside pipeline. Um, if you have a fourth, you just introduce ambiguity into what it is you're saying, well, where is this? What what shade of gray is this that we're looking at for when is it going to close? You know, just be confident in the simplicity of what you're doing Um, and the consistency of what you're doing is hugely important because then you have the ability to track trends of what has changed inside of these past months. You know, with um, sales cycles and age and stage and what is it that we are seeing are the impacts on how quickly things are closing, uh, what is the appetite for consumption. And if we decided to change our metrics drastically, you know, we maybe respond in a sales way of pro- providing different things, but if we change the metrics, we don't have any way to benchmark against what has gone between what is now and what has been the past four to, to six months. So um, you know, those those and stage and velocity metrics are going to be really interesting to see once all of this is kind of returned back to a version of what it was before we hit this, you know, complete paralysis. But uh, in itself, again, um, you know, for a world which has gone remote, as it is as a company, which makes companies go remote, you know, um, business hasn't changed in so much as, well, it's not, it has changed obviously. Um, But the thing that CloudReach does is the thing that it's still able to do, professionally speaking. Uh, And so, We've been in a really fortunate position to really help companies to take advantage of the insights and, and leverage the benefits of being online, and that, I mean, that's a nice thing to be able to wake up and see every day. You know,
0: yeah, I totally agree. Like, if you don't have consistency in the metrics, there's no way that you they can even be useful. And so, mm. I actually really like that that answer. Now, for the two most important questions, <laughs> who has been your biggest sales ops related inspiration? Uh, in your whole career?
1: It's a tough one, isn't it? Um, I, I don't, I think it would be unfair to say that there's any single person, right? It would be really hugely unfair because learning by osmosis, as you go through your, your work and career is, you know, is a natural thing, right? We pick up from everyone. We take the things that we like the most from the way that um, other people, other companies, other entities have done things. But, um, you know, I, I mentioned Jack uh, uh, before and the Winning by Design team Um, and I think you know I can I can look up I can type in what is sales operations and any number of companies will have articles about what it is you know the difference between it and enablement and um, I'm delighted that those things exist they didn't exist I, mean, I wish they had done when I started, when I was doing um, the you know the administrative management of the sales side of things at Free Egypt, but they didn't just didn't exist. Um, and so a lot of what I learned was um, through my own um, opportunities to do things better because it's only a mistake if you do it twice, right? Um, but as I have been able to go through um, the time that I've been doing this, you know, I've picked up from really inspirational leaders more than um, technical people. And one of those people is absolutely without a shadow, without Ed Mollinger from, from free age. You've got people who are process driven again, like, like Jacko and his entire team. Um, I mean, one of the, one of the people who I really admire um, would be, and, and the reason for this is because of his way of talking about the difference between um, you know, the misconception sometimes between uh, authority and leadership. And it's really important for someone in the sales ops position to not have to be uh, an authority figure by, by you know, quote-unquote rank, but a leader. And that can be a leader through, you know, genuine, um, you know, integrity through data and being data-driven. Um, and the person who talks about that and gives the TED Talks about, um, you know, business in, in, uh, in its whole Entirety. Simon Sinek, you know, particularly well-known guy. I mean, I'm not alone in, in, in crowing about uh, the things that he talks around and, and about. And, you know, I, I, I tell people about his, um, you know, why why good leaders make people feel safe video all the time. You know, it's a 12-minute video and it just is, you know, it's a mentality thing. It really is a mentality thing. So um, I'd be remiss. There are, there are huge numbers of people who have, have helped me. I mean, one of the people was... Um, uh, someone who I worked with at Free Agent, who um, I, I, I trained up, and then you know they were just going, "Hey, we could do this better. <laughs> we should do this. And we should do that." Um, uh, that's Carly. You know, she's um, she's great. She actually runs the sales ops at, at Free Agent, um, having taken it on when I uh, moved away. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I, I would, really I would say definitely. Those are those are the kind of the, the pieces of that puzzle. But there's no one person. I wish I could say there was one person um, because it would have made my life a lot easier <laughs> when I started yeah. out. Right.
0: For sure, and, and we'll, we'll close there. I, the sense I get from you, David, is like an immense passion for this thing that it seems like you kind of stumbled across in free agent all those years ago, because you can speak with such um, th- like strength and authority on it um, at length, um, and so it's been really, really interesting, like delving into the mind of someone who has been immersed in this for over a decade now and I picked out a couple of gems uh, particularly on like keeping metrics constant shadow forecasting which I just absolutely love that phrase Um, so it's been an absolute pleasure to to have you on.
1: Likewise and apologies uh, brevity is maybe not always my strong suit yes I can talk at length but uh, no thank you very much for having me and and, uh, yeah being at the core face of what this is for um, you know quite some time now has given me the ability to uh, reflect on things in a way that uh, I hope really benefits not just the the leaders and the companies, but also the people who are direct and the people who are driving companies forward, the sales teams. Being a pastoral care provider for them through data-driven methodologies is hugely important. And at the end of the day, if we can automate ourselves out of the way, move on to cool problems and challenges so that salespeople have the ability to do more and faster, we're all winning.
0: For sure. David, thank you for joining.
1: Thanks, Alan. Speak to you soon.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sales Ops Demystified Podcast. If you are listening on a podcast listening application, then please subscribe, rate, and review. And if you have any questions about the show, if you know a guest, or if you have any questions about sales operations, just hit me up at tomhunt at ebster.com. That's tomhunt at ebster.com.